It's not that my kids don't need me, it's that I need to rethink what that means. My job is not to deliver facts, it's to help them see things in a new way, to guide them, to validate them, to build that relationship with them and help them build a relationship to the content. How do we come back from this and not worry so much about what's been lost, but instead think about what's been gained? This is Change the Narrative, the podcast about innovation in education and the workplace. I'm your host and tour guide, Michael Hernandez. This pandemic has forced students to learn at home and educators have had to make a fast pivot to remote teaching. This season, I'm talking with teachers and students across the United States to find the silver linings of our situation, to find out what matters most in school, and to use those lessons as we reimagine the future of education. Christina Torres is an eighth grade English teacher at Punahou School in Honolulu, Hawaii. She's also a writer who's been seen in Education Week, Teaching Tolerance, and ASCD. When she's not teaching or writing, she's reading or in search of the best cheeseburger around. <laughs> you can connect with her at christinatorres.org. And Christina, thank you so much for sharing your ideas with me. Thanks um, so much for having me. Yeah, so I know that, you know, we've, we've talked offline about some of the challenges that our students face and that we face as teachers, but um, I'm sort of curious, what do you secretly like about working from home? Um, so I like all the flexibility that I have with my schedule. That was something I actually really valued about my school already was that they were really good about letting us take our break periods to be break periods. Um, but now it's kind of that, but heightened in some ways because I don't have to go home to do things. So, you know, I can throw laundry in while I'm, you know, prepping for office hours or you know, I can, during one of my prep periods, I can ride, I have a stationary bike, um, and I can, like, ride that for 30 minutes while I'm answering emails or anything like that. So just kind of having that added flexibility has been really nice. Yeah, I agree. Like, the flexibility piece is, like, huge. I feel mm -hmm. like we're just kind of trapped in these, like, rigid holes for, I don't know what your school's like, but mine's a traditional public school, and it's definitely it. very rigid. Mm -hmm. Um. So we're all in quarantine. We can't go out and stuff. So what have you learned about yourself while being in quarantine? Um, something that I've learned that's been really interesting is actually how much I need human connection. I've, I've always actually really thought of myself as an introvert. Like, you know, I talk a lot online, but generally I was like, I don't like peopling too much. I could be by myself. I've like done silent retreats and, and totally loved it. But I realized how much I missed my kids or like, just even if I'm not talking to people, just being around people. So that's been an interesting thing to realize about myself. Like I, in some ways I am flourishing as an introvert. Like it's certainly not as hard as me as it on me as it is on other people. But there are times where I'm like, Oh, I really miss seeing and seeing my kids. And then when I see them like on Webex for us, that's what we use at my school. I'm like, Oh, I feel so much better after having seen them. So it's really funny to kind of learn that I think I'm a little more in the middle of the scale than I thought between extrovert and introvert. Do you think it's because you're, you need that human connection or just in the absence of them, it's okay in small doses as opposed to like constantly every day like we used to do? Oh, that's a great point. It's probably a little bit mixed. I, some of it's, I think the absence of them, like I do think my kids can help me. Like, you know how when you're having a bad day and then you <laughs> see your students and you just yeah. feel better? Um, I miss that <laughs> at the same time. Yes, because I have that flexibility now, it's much easier for me to like turn it on for them because I've had a chance to like 
bike for 30 minutes or like take 10 minutes to make myself a cup of tea. Um, so that's been, an, it's, yeah, it's a little bit of a mix between the two. <laughs> that's great. So you talked about your exercise regimen and your, your stationary bike and stuff. So what else have you done to keep your sanity while being on lockdown? Um, the stationary bike's big one. <laughs> I got that like a $300 stationary bike on Amazon and the Peloton app. And it is 100% like saved my life during this quarantine because I used to run six days a week and it's a, I, I could still run, but it's a little bit harder now and I burned out on running. So the bike is definitely like, I can tell I'm in a better mood after I use it. So exercise has helped a lot. Um, also, I'm cooking more like a lot of people. Like I learned to make pasta from scratch. And so having little tasks like that is good. I actually got an app called Habit Hub. Um, yeah, Habit Hub. Dangerous. Yeah, so well, it's for me, it's good because I'm not good at like taking care of the basics sometimes. So I set it so that like every day I get a reminder to like drink 16 like you know not drink like two hydro flasks full of water and like read take a break to read for a little bit or like check in on a friend call my mom like I have these um reminders to make sure I do things because if not I would just be on my email all day and that's actually also helped me a lot that's amazing I'm sure everybody could use a helper like that I know I can cool. <laughs> <laughs> um so you've mentioned some of these but what do you like best about remote work both personally and professionally um, so personally, I think that flexibility, um, and it, you know, it's kind of given me a chance to check in on like, what do I really value? Like, what do I actually need in my life? Um, versus like, what are just things you kind of do out of habit? Um, like who are the people I really value? Who do I actually really want to connect and spend time with? Um, and so that's been good. I'm also, I'm newly engaged. So, or, you know, I've been engaged for about like six months now. So it's kind of like a pre-marital counseling that we didn't plan for because <laughs> we are just, or even though my, my fiance goes to his office um, because he works at a university. Um, so he's able to work there. It's still like, okay, yeah, we're learning a lot about each other in really good ways. So that's been good. That's been nice. I think that's actually been really useful. Um, professionally, it's actually really, really pushed me as an educator you know I had to we got guidance yesterday to kind of change how much face-to-face -face time we do and to be fair I'm in a different position in that I'm I don't have kids it's just it's just me so I understand that I, I have the privilege of time and freedom but it's really pushed my thinking as an educator that in the moment was a little like okay now I have to change all the ways that I do things in a day but at the same time I really do think it was the best choice for our students and so it really made me think what's essential for my classroom. How can I be flexible? What do I actually need? And I know those are lessons that I'm going to be taking into the classroom too. So I think it's really pushed me in a good way as an educator. I think we all kind of need that push every once in a while, right? You kind of get mm -hmm. kind of caught up in the routine and the rhythm and it's like, Oh, this is fine. Yeah. I mean, I've been teaching, you know, I've been teaching at my school. This is my eighth year in the classroom and my third year at my school. And I've been teaching the text that I teach right now for six years. I haven't varied too much from those texts. And so it was really easy for me to just kind of lock and load. And now I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> everything's changed. So let's change everything. And in some ways, it's really beautiful. I know you'd mentioned like the flexibility, um, but I'm wondering about as a teacher and how your students interact, what um, we talk about all the things that we've lost, like the face to face or whatever. 
But what do you think are some advantages to teaching remotely? For me, it's that the interactions that I have with my students can be really targeted. It's really hard to check in with kids on a, on a deep level when you have, I'm really lucky. I only have 24 kids tops in a class and, and I know that I'm really lucky in that sense. But even with 24, it, it can be hard to really build a relationship with them versus now in the new model that I just created last night, <laughs> I'm hoping that I'll get more small group time. And just by virtue of checking in with them individually via email or Google form or in writing, since I'm an English teacher, a lot of them have opened up to me in a way that I haven't seen before. So that's been really, really powerful. So just kind of that ability to kind of adapt because some of my kids don't frankly need me. They just need me to give them content and they kick its butt and they check in if they have questions and, and they're good to go. And that's awesome. But some kids like need me for either small group content support or small group emotional support. And being able to kind of focus on that has been really, really cool. That's so great that you can say that, that like the students don't always need you. Oh and no, I think, they definitely yeah. don't. And I think a lot <laughs> of educators, yeah, right. And I think a lot of us like feel like we're really important. And if we're not here and the kids aren't here, they're not learning. And sort of that humbleness, I think, maybe of really recognizing that, like, what's our role? And it varies from student to student. I think that's, that's really great. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what are some lessons that we've learned, you think, as educators that you might want to keep and implement once the pandemic is over, whether it's you personally or like systematically? Mm -hmm. So for me personally, I think it's actually something you just started touching on is um, really thinking about what is my role in my classroom look like. I'm, I'm very lucky that I work, you know, I, I do work at a very nice private school. Um, so issues of access and equity, which I'm going to talk about in a second, um, aren't so much of, uh, it's not that they're not there, but it looks different in my school setting. So for me, that means what do my kids actually need from me and what does my role look like? And more and more I'm realizing that it's not that my kids don't need me, it's that I need to rethink what that means. They don't need me necessarily to deliver content. Like I can give them content in a ton of ways or they could YouTube it or they could read it on their own. Like there's a bunch of ways kids can get content. What I'm there for is to be there to guide them, to validate them, to build that relationship with them and help them build a relationship to the content. So sometimes that means that me just seeing me be really excited because something's going to happen in Romeo and Juliet, that's building a relationship that they couldn't get from just reading. So that's more my role. And I think that's a really powerful thing for me to think about. It's not, my job is not to deliver facts. It's to help them see things in a new way. Um, and I can be there in person doing that, or I could do it in other ways. There's a lot of ways that I can do that. So I think that's something really exciting for me to explore as I change up my classroom next year. Systemically, I think it's really revealed a lot of huge gaps in our system that schools have acted as a band-aid for. Social services, food, health, you know, health for students, day, like childcare, all these different things, access to, to the internet, like the digital divide, all of these things that schools were able to act as a band-aid for, that band-aid in some ways has been ripped off and schools are scrambling to fix that, but it's unfair that they're put in that position because teachers are already doing so much. We're acting, particularly in the public school, when I was a public school teacher, you're acting as a counselor, as a 
smaller group helper as you know a tutor all these different things and there's just so many hats to wear and it's frankly not super sustainable i know that's one of the reasons why i chose to move schools because that wasn't sustainable so i think we're starting to reveal a lot of the cracks in the system that i hope when we come back we don't go back to normal you know i think about the kids that are getting free access to internet in, during this time, which I think is awesome, and I really appreciate companies doing that. But what happens after the pandemic is is over, or we have a vaccine? Do they take that access away? Is that what's going to happen? And that that feels really not good. That feels really problematic. And so I think thinking through long term solutions for this is going to be essential. I love that, and I keep talking about why I think the internet access should be a public utility, like electricity or roads, right? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so I know you seem to be pretty savvy and and able to pivot um, around all this, but I know a lot of folks are struggling. A lot of other educators are struggling to do this. Um, and I'm wondering if you have some advice for them, uh, some of our colleagues about this new normal of teaching and to help them get through these times or to make them stronger on the other side. Yeah, my first piece of advice to like overcall, you know, to, to kind of umbrella anything that I say is to like be gentle with yourself. I think we're, a lot of us are making the mistake of like trying to do what we would do in the classroom during this time. And not only is that not feasible for kids, like that's not feasible for us. Like I know that this has been really hard on me emotionally. This is hard. You know, I, you know, I, we were talking a, a few minutes ago, like I've had to postpone my wedding and that really sucks. And that absolutely affects my ability to do other things. So overall, I think being gentle with yourself is, is huge and knowing that, um, my school has this really great phrase that I keep repeating over and over that they've been using for us, but it's be brave over perfect or value being brave over perfect. And I think that's huge. Like, can you be brave and take the leap of faith and change and adapt and not worry about perfection? Cause none of it's going to be perfect right now. And that's okay. Um, the other thing I think is really, really digging, using this time to think about what are the actual essential things I want my kids to get out of something. So for example, I'm doing Romeo and Juliet, and that's such a performance-based text. I've never thought about teaching it online, and I was like, what the heck am I going to do <laughs> teaching this virtually? Like, that's just so different than any way I'd ever, con I'd ever conceptualized teaching it. And I realized, like, what do I actually want them to get out of this play? I want us to have deep conversations about love, relationships, and values. I want us to have conversations about cultural representations of love. And I just want them to hear the language because you know what? They're going to get a ton of Shakespeare in the future. So if they don't understand Romeo and Juliet perfectly right now, they're not going to die. It's going to be okay. They'll see the story be played in a million different rom-coms. So it's, you know, like I just want them to have access to the language. So there's a bunch of ways I can do that. That does not need to be me reading to them or us reading out loud together. Do I wish we could do that? Sure. But that's not the nitty gritty of what I need. So really breaking down to what it, what's the, the bare bones of what I need and then how can I get creative with that? I love that's great advice. Yeah. So you've talked about a lot of these silver linings. What are some of those silver linings in remote teaching or even working from home? Yeah. So these are all for me personally. <laughs> It's hard. Like I have, a, I'm glad. I'm glad you're doing this podcast because in some ways it's been hard. I feel guilty sharing these things sometimes because I do understand. Like there is a lot of struggle in the world, and some of my silver linings are coming from a place of privilege, and I want to fully recognize that. I will say, like the silver linings in working for home are one that I spend so much less money, <laughs> um, which has been great, and I know that I'm very lucky to have a job, and and I'm really appreciative of that. Um, but you know, just being able to like. Also, not just pare down what I need in my classroom, but what do I need in my life has been really big. Um, 
getting some time to like rethink how I deliver content and like doing that in fun and interesting ways. Like now I've been recording myself doing videos and I'm suddenly I'm acting more again and things like that. And that's been kind of a nice benefit. Um, and then just being able to like take breaks as needed. Like I can stand up when I'm frustrated and take five minutes to stretch and get a drink of water. And that's not something you can always do in front of kids. Like you kind of can, but it's not the same. And so just having the, the ability to give myself that grace has been really nice. Yeah, I think people don't really realize that now we can go to the bathroom whenever we want. <laughs> you know? That is a, that is such a huge thing that, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I feel really lucky that I generally, my classroom is like next to a bathroom, so <laughs> it's easy for me to pop out. But yes, that's huge. And it's also so ridiculous that that's not a thing already. But it's so true. We have that, we have that freedom now. And for our students. Yes, you know, absolutely. So much as compliance, like you're going to get in trouble if you go to the bathroom. Like, right? no, just let it go. Just go. Right? It's just so interesting. So if you had to narrow down to just one silver lining out of all of this, what would you choose? I would choose the freedom. The freedom to kind of, and I know that's kind of a broad term and you said one, but I think for me, it's just the freedom to, to, serve, myself, to serve myself in the best way that I can in that moment. And in doing so, know that I'm able to serve my kids the best overall. Like I know that when I take my full hour lunch, that when I come back in the afternoon, I can crank out an innovative assignment or I can grade a lot better or something like that. And really feeling the freedom to take care of myself in that way is something that I haven't done in a really long time. So what do you want policymakers to change or adopt as we look to next school year and maybe even as we reimagine the future of education? So for overall like systemic educational policy, I think this has put a really big eye on like, do we need to be testing as much as we need to? Because we're getting rid of all these tests now and like colleges are letting kids apply to schools without the SATs or the ACTs and, you know, we've canceled state testing. And I think it, I'm hoping it's a good pause for legislators to really look at how are we using tests and standards? And, and I, I know that to some extent standards can be good to make sure that like kids are getting equal opportunities and access to information across the nation at the same time like how are we using that in a way that's actually helpful for students um i also want us to be thinking about like how can we start making sure that students have more access to this kind of blended situation that we're getting like is there a world in which some students if they need it can do more you know we have a school in hawaii hawaii tech Acad hawaii Hawaii Tech Academy, it's HTI, I think it's Hawaii Tech Academy, that does, it's a charter school that does blended learning that for kids that really kind of need that environment and it's really good for them. And so, you know, they're thriving right now. Like this was already a very similar model to what they were doing. And maybe we do need some more options, right? That like maybe we can give kids that are, are thriving in this environment those opportunities. At the same time, we know that it's exposing some of those things that I talked about earlier, the lack of resources at home that kids have to get at school, that school should not have to be in charge of feeding kids. I, I appreciate that schools do it, but that's something that the government should take care of. So, you know, I, I think really thinking about how do we get these social services into all communities? Cause we know that all communities need them. Absolutely. Totally agreement on that. There was one piece of advice you want to share with teachers, parents, or policymakers about remote learning. What would it be? Give kids grace. It's so hard for them to right now. Even at my school, you know, it's funny. I, I, 
I hear people make assumptions like, oh, well, your kids are probably fine, though. Like, your kids are. And don't get me wrong. My kids, in a lot of ways, are fine compared to other kids. But even my kids are freaking out about, what if they, someone they know gets sick? What if their parents get sick? What if their grandparents get sick? Or I have kids whose parents have been laid off or both their parents have been laid off. You know, a parent or both parents are, all of our kids are really, really stressed right now. And because of the adaption to remote, the, you know, adapting remote learning is happening so quickly. It's hard on everyone. So you talked, you mentioned the word compliance earlier. And I think like, that's another thing, like, where can we strip those things away? Like, does it really matter if a kid, I know, you know, I saw someone had a rule up, like, don't be in, don't be in bed or like lounging on a couch when you're in class, like this is class. And I was like, you don't know a kid's situation. I have to take call. I'm in my bedroom right now because my fiance is very loud and he's downstairs and <laughs> this is the only quiet place I can be. Um, and I, and I think we need to give the, the grace and flexibility to let kids figure out what's best for them. Does it really matter if a kid is in pajamas when they're in my class? I don't think it does. Like I understand them being appropriately covered up and I support that. But like if they're wearing cute pajama pants and they have their dog with them, I think that's great. I want to see their dog. I feel like that's a relationship builder. So I think <laughs> giving that flexibility to all of us could actually really change the way we build relationships with students and letting them be more authentic with us. I love that. Yeah. hundred percent. What else, do you have anything else you want to share about school closures and remote work? Um, some things I've really just been thinking about are how do we come back from this and not worry so much about what's been lost, but instead think about what's been gained. And that's a hard balance with all the systemic things I brought up earlier that, that are being revealed because there are very real issues of like all of a sudden kids have to act as parents for their siblings and those are very real. I'm wondering how do we balance that with really trying to see this to some extent with a growth mindset at the same like kids that have to take care of siblings like that is very frustrating. We need childcare for all families. At the same time, kids are gaining so many skills by doing that. How can we tap into those skills? How do we acknowledge the systemic problems and gaps while also celebrating the way that historically disenfranchised communities are resilient, resourceful, have access to things that maybe we don't have, you know, in, in, in other communities. Like how can we also learn from the things that we're, that they're able to do? Um, I think there's something really powerful there. And I'm still figuring that out too. I'm still trying to navigate that as well, but I think there's something really interesting there to think about. That's great. Thank you so much. That's fantastic. Christina Torres, it's great as always to, to chat with you. And I'm so glad we had this opportunity because we've been friends for a while and we I never know. make the time, right? <laughs> so here we are reaching out Yay. and I think building that network uh, through figuring things out is, is really helpful. I think for, for me, I know it is and hopefully it is for you too. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, that kind of taps into, I'm sorry, that made me think of one other thing that I really appreciated and thinking I've been thinking about with remote work is like how much my colleagues are coming together and really supporting each other. I want to make sure that I say that because just like the giving of resources, the emotional support that just like I hear you, I feel you, I'm here for you has been it's been one of the one of the other things that keeps me sane is like just being able to like vent on Twitter to like not just colleagues but even the parents of some of my students have found me online and like we now have like what I yeah a friendship that I really appreciate so that's also been really really nice so like yeah I also appreciate how teachers are just banding together to get through this fantastic well thank you so much Christina thank you so much I really appreciate you having me 
If you like the podcast, rate us and write us a review. It helps people find us. And don't forget to sign up for our monthly email newsletter. You can find the details on our website, changethenarrative.net.